James 4.14, the text we have used throughout the course of this year. We are asked the question in Scripture, what is your life? That question is asked for the very purposes that I've just explained. You don't know where you're going if you can't look at your life and see what progress you're making or where you're at as compared to yesterday or where you want to be next, next week or next month or next year. And certainly you've seen that when it comes to CT, we, we're, we're planning for our future and our children's future and our grandchildren's future. We have enough land there that according to the general contractor, we will not only build this auditorium we're building, we have enough land there to build the next auditorium. Amen. And other uh, buildings that, that might need to be built. And this is significant because we should always be moving in an upward direction. And that's what I've read to you from Philippians 3, 13 and 15 throughout the course of this year, specifically verse 14. We, we focus in, Paul says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I spoke last, just this past weekend, we had Benny Matthews with us, and he did an extraordinary job. But I spoke last, when I spoke, on perseverance as a part of the series that I've been in on stay it, which is staying the course to, to get to your dream. And I talked about how that perseverance, or to persevere, differs from just enduring. We have been incorrectly taught so many things. We've been taught, for example, that, that you know, you got to beg God for the release of good things in your life, and that all comes from that whole philosophy and theology that is incorrect, that you have to earn or merit God's favor. You don't earn or merit God's favor. It's given to you by grace. It's unmerited. Amen. You can't get good enough to get it. And that's why this thing about the upward call is important. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with him. But he's still calling you upward and wanting to elevate your life. And perseverance is not just enduring, though that's what we've been taught. Persevere. Hang on. Just stay in there. You know, tie a knot in the rope and hang on. And we need to know what perseverance means. And I assure you that's not what it means. Too many people don't understand perseverance. Did you hear about the young pastor that was sitting in a restaurant in his neighborhood eating lunch and he opened a letter he had just received that morning from his mom? And as he opened it, a $20 bill fell out and he thought to himself, thanks, mom. I sure needed that right now. And as he finished his meal and got up, went outside, he noticed a beggar Familiar, he's seen him there before, standing outside on the sidewalk, leaning against the light post, and thinking the poor man could probably use the $20 more than he. He crossed out the names on the envelope and wrote across the top in large letters, Persevere. So as not to make a scene, he just handed it to the man as he walked past, rather than taking the 20 out and giving it to him. The man took the envelope, read the message on it, and smiled. And the next day as the pastor went back to have his meal at the same little corner cafe, the same gentleman tapped him on the shoulder and handed him a big wad of bills and surprised the young pastor, asked him what that was for. And the man replied, this is your half of the winnings. 
Persevere came in first in the fourth race at the track yesterday and paid 30 to 1. Amen. I assure you that's not what I mean when I say persevere. Amen. That's not what I'm talking about. According to the scriptures we used a couple of weeks ago, to persevere implies actually gaining ground in the face of contrary forces instead of just barely holding on. You have those notes. Go back and read those verses again. They clearly imply you are to be moving forward, not just standing in one place surviving and enduring. I actually thought that that was my last Sunday on in the Stay It series, and today I would begin a new series, and in fact, they've announced that on the marquee, and I have to ask them to forgive me because it seems the Holy Spirit isn't through with that just yet, and I can't get away from it. it just I've got to just spend just one more um, Sunday, as it were, just talking about what it actually means to persevere. I'd like for you to bow your heads with me, if you would, please, and and we're going to pray and ask God to help us this morning. And uh, I want to speak today from this subject. I want to talk to you about how to persevere. How do you persevere? Or all's well that ends well. Amen. Father, would you let your spirit illuminate your word today? Thank you for these incredible truths that are in your word that are there for us to see and, and for us to understand. Give us the ability to perceive what the Spirit is speaking. You said, let he who has an ear to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Give us ears to hear and hearts to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to look at two additional passages of Scripture quickly. And one is Philippians 1 and verses 1 through 6. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. I always in every prayer of mine making request for you all with joy for your fellowship and the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Another passage, Psalms 138, 6 through 8, though the Lord is on high, and make no mistake, that is where he is. Yet he regards the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. That means he stands far off from that person and doesn't draw near. The psalmist says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. These scriptures point out two very profound truths. It might be a common expression, but it really is true. All's well that ends well. The first of these truths is found in Philippians 1 and 6, and I could not help but notice that when I came to that verse, there were 
a number of people that responded by saying amen, which tells me that resonated with you. But the scripture in Philippians 1 and 6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Say this with me, what God has begun in me, he will complete. That's the first truth. This is very important. God doesn't abandon what he started. Amen. All kind of projects get started and people either get weary with them or get bored or distracted or they become interested in something else or circumstances change and projects are abandoned. Amen. You will never see God erect a crane and start a construction project until, and, and rather, and in the middle of that, remove that crane and shut that project down, and, and, and he will not do that until that project is completed. Amen. All kind of buildings, I, I think of Dubai. I've been through there on a number of occasions, and during this economic turndown, all kind of people had projects they had begun that they had to abandon. They're on, uh, let's go to another closer example first, right there on Belt 8, as you just go north on the belt of Wallaceville, and you look on the west side of uh, Belt 8, you'll see there's, a, I think it's an extended care facility. They had started that project years ago, and then that economic turndown came, and they flat shut that thing down and abandoned it. Amen. And then the economy came back up and somebody went in there. I don't know if somebody else bought it, but they built that thing out and it's now operational. I saw that in Dubai. You would go to Dubai and you'd see all these buildings with cranes on top and top. And you would say, whoa, look at all the construction. What you didn't know was the construction actually had halted. They had begun those buildings earlier. And what they did is just build them up and build them on the outside finished the outside, and then they didn't build them out on the inside. They were left in a state of abandonment, waiting for the economy to improve. I just thought I'd let you know that God never reaches a place where anything he starts, he's got to leave it halfway through. Amen. And when God starts something in you and in your life, he will not leave you halfway through the assignment. He completes what he starts. We need to understand this because sometimes in life we, we begin to feel that, that things we, we had started, that somehow God is definitely in when, when things take a turn and go the wrong direction and the wrong way, we wonder what's happened and opposition arises and it doesn't work out so well and we seem to stall and then we begin to question if it's going to turn out as well as it had hoped. I just want to tell you that when God gets started, he finishes what he starts. The good news is, as the scripture declares, he who has begun a good work in you will finish it. The second thing I want to emphasize today is this truth and understanding perseverance. Understand this from the Psalms. Say this with me. God will perfect that which concerns me. 
What does that mean? It means that even when it looks as though I've been stymied and things are not moving as they should or as fast as I had wanted them to, God will still perfect that which concerns me. That means he will cause things to get back on track even when they get off track. These two things together simply point out that not only will he finish his plans for my life, you got to hear this, he will also bring them to a state of perfection in their completion. I don't have to settle for second best. God is committed to us experiencing his very best in our lives. That means when I face opposition, what is my part? My part is to persevere, which means by the definition we have given based on those scriptures and even the dictionary, I just keep moving forward, don't know how I can. I just keep doing my part. I keep giving my pledge. Amen. I keep honoring God with what God has asked me to do, and it's God's job to finish it and make it perfect. Amen. Not my job to finish it, not my job to make it perfect. My job to just keep moving forward. And that's where so many people mess up because they do what we have been incorrectly taught. They reach what they think is the end of their rope and they go into this enduring mode. I'm going to just hang on now and I'm going to tie a knot in the rope and I'm going to just stall right here. No, put one foot in front of another don't know how, just do it anyway. Honor God, and God will make happen what you're supposed to have happen. That's his job. When the children of Israel came to, to the, the River Jordan, the priests were instructed to walk out into the water, and their feet would never touch the water. It was the process of them stepping out that made the water stop and disappear peer under their feet. If they didn't step out, the water would have remained right there at flood stage. The river would not have been impassable. Now sometimes things do go wrong, and I need to point this out. According to our plan, it doesn't look like we're making any progress, and there can be a number of reasons that things go wrong. Here are five reasons real quick. First, it might be the result of bad decisions we have made. Is there anybody here other than me that's made a bad decision from time to time? So here, here's what the truth is. Life is not the sum of the things that have happened to you. So many people think it is. Well, this is what happens in my life. This is what occurred. This defines me. No, it doesn't. Life is the sum of the decisions you have made including those that have to do with how you have processed and will process what has happened to you. Bad things happen to everyone. You're in a fallen world and you're not exempt from bad things happening in your life. But how you respond to that, the decisions you make in your life, even about what happens to you, is what determines what your life will be like. What is your life? I can tell you. It is the sum of your decisions, not the sum of what's happened to you. On the other hand, God in his infinite grace, though we live in a fallen world, because of his unconditional and boundless love for us, causes opportunities to occur in every life. Your life is included in that number. And in fact, that's true whether we deserve opportunities or not. 
It doesn't matter whether you deserve it or not. God has seen to it that every person is going to have opportunities. And as to whether or not you see them and take advantage of them, that is yet another matter. If we wish to make decisions, back to this decisions things, that, that's what your life is really going to be determined by. If you make decisions that hinder, ignore, or even destroy those opportunities, that choice is left up to you. We cannot blame God or others for the poor decisions we have made. We should also realize that the failure to act when an opportunity is given to us, whether it is because we, number one, failed to see the door that was there, or number two, didn't choose to go through it, is the same thing and is tantamount to saying no to that opportunity. Let me repeat that in a simple way. Everybody gets opportunities. Everybody's going to have some open doors set in their life. And if you don't see it or you ignore it, the outcome is exactly the same as if you said no. Amen. Bottom line, your decisions are going to determine your life. This is why Albert Ellis said the best years of your life are the ones in which you decide your problems are your own. You do not blame them on your mother, the ecology, or the president. You realize that you control your own destiny. Amen. Stop blaming a bad past and a divorce and uh, being abused as a child and a broken home and stop blaming the economy and everything else. Uh-uh. You've got some decisions that you can make because you're partnered with a God that is calling you to live an elevated life. And all you got to do is persevere. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. And God's going to complete it and then make it perfect. Amen. The second reason that things don't go according to plan is because of sin and rebellion, our own sin. And that's why we sometimes can't move forward. And that, that affects everybody. Hallelujah. And we go against the principles of God and we open doors in our lives, the wrong doors for the wrong things to come in. And we are negatively affected and then number three, our plans can be temporarily challenged and hindered because there is an enemy whose sworn objectives are to cause us as much mayhem, loss, and pain as he possibly can. Fourthly, we experience an inability to move forward when the timing is not right. Very many times, something we want to do is even God's will, but the timing is not right, and we attempt to make it work anyway rather than waiting for the right season. And when it doesn't work out the way we plan, we give up and are disappointed with God, and we think He let us down, and we abandon our dreams because we act in haste. We actually let go of and surrender our dreams when they were His will for us all along just in a slightly different season to persevere we must be both persistent and we must also be patient amen and i think of this building program we started in 2008 and the economy went crazy and 
hit rock bottom and, and focus saying, why didn't we build? I'll tell you why. Because we had plans to build and the Holy Spirit said, whoa, wait a minute. You know, there are a lot of churches that didn't listen and they started then anyway and they had their buildings foreclosed on them. That's right, couldn't pay for them, couldn't even finish them. And why would we make a decision to take your hard-earned money that you gave from hearts of passion for the cause of God and give it to some unrighteous people out there? We're not going to do that and put it at jeopardy. The fifth reason we can temporarily be stymied because of other people and as we, other people can slow us down. And, and I want to tell you, you need to understand that Caleb and Joshua were temporarily kept from going into the promised land because of the unbelief of the other children of Israel. And for 40 years, they were delayed from reaching their inheritance. And I want to tell you, though, in God, you never lose anything. So what God did was tack on 40 more years to their lives. And that's why Caleb could say, I'm as strong now as I was when I was 40. Amen. 40 years later, he had not lost his strength. And God even cut Korah and his followers out of the nation of Israel. The earth opened and swallowed them because of the negative influence they would have had upon the rest of God's people. And God said their unbelief is so virulent and so harmful, I would rather cut them out. You know, sometimes you got to be careful that you don't put people around you that are the reason your dreams are deterred and being stymied. I, I need an amen right there. And you know one reason? We don't like to let people go. Oh, no, we don't. We don't want people to leave us. We want to hold on. And, you know, sometimes, listen, the ones that we hold on to are the ones God wants us to get rid of in our life. And, and they're a negative influence. And I'm talking to somebody right now. Do you feel that? Lord, have mercy. On the other hand, some of those we want to get rid of are the ones that end up staying. And you know what I'm talking about. The good news is, is that regardless of these five reasons, and which one of them is that temporarily holds you back, whether it's bad decisions you have made, your own sin and rebellion, the attack of the enemy, the wrong timing, or even if it's because of people, the delay, I need somebody to say, is only temporary. Say that. Delayed is not denied. God has promised to complete and perfect that which concerns us if we will but just persevere and believe. Economy won't stop God's plan for your life if you keep doing your part. And that's not just hanging on. It's moving forward. Amen. Take a step. Don't know how, but go ahead and do it. For that to happen, God will make four things come together that must come together for any dream to become a reality. That is, he will make the intended person of destiny, time, place, and opportunity all meet at the same time. He will cause you, the right person, to be in the right place, Christian Tabernacle, to come into the right season right now, and he will make the right opportunity come knocking. Opportunity will literally seek you out. God did not go to the great lengths he has gone to to design and make you in his image, fill you with his spirit, give you the gifts and talents that he's placed inside of you to not finish and perfect what he started in your life. Amen. I want to show you what it's like. This is a video we've seen. This is Derek Redmond from 
the Barcelona Olympics. You've seen the video, but watch it. man that came out of the stands was his daddy. Derek Redmond Leo for one thing, and that was to fulfill his dream of winning an Olympic medal. He didn't win a medal that year, but I want to ask you a question. Do you remember the name of who did? The one thing that stands out from the Olympics that year are not those who won medals. It's this man right here. And do you know when daddy showed up from the stands, when his son who snapped a hamstring collapsed and got up and started hopping on one foot, determined to make the finish line, daddy came out of the stands and put his arm around his son's shoulder and said, I'm going to see you finish this race. Amen. And did you see him when he waved the other people away? Some of those were medical personnel. They wanted to take the boy for medical treatment. And in the course of your life, you need to realize that God comes alongside those who regardless keep on moving forward. Keep on moving forward. It's his job to make sure you finish. And here's the difference in Eric, Derek Redmond's dad and our Heavenly Father. Derek Redmond didn't win a medal, 
But our Father knows how to perfect it at the end anyway. Oh, I'm talking to somebody right now. Hallelujah. You keep moving forward. He will finish it and he will make it perfect. All kind of people will come up to you like those medical personnel and they will try to make you go for treatment. Oh, you poor thing. If I'd been through what you've been through and if I had been, you know, if my husband did that to me or my wife or whatever, I would. Anytime somebody comes up and said, if I were in that circumstance, right then you shut them down. Those are words you don't want to hear. When they begin with, if I... Now, you don't need to hear that. They're offering you sympathy. And what you need is a daddy that shoes folk like that away and says, keep on moving forward. (laughs) Hallelujah. Because he knows that if you persevere, you're going to get the medal at the end of the race. This is not an earthly father. It's a God that can perfect What's happening in your life? Amen. Read with me now, and I've got to close. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with with patience or endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We learned years ago in our study of English in high school that when a sentence begins with the word therefore, it presumes that there was something that came before that sentence from which a conclusion has been made and drawn. In this case, what came before the therefore in Hebrews 12 and 1 is Hebrews chapter 11. And the conclusion that we read in Hebrews 12 and 1 is drawn and based upon the assessment of the stories of Hebrew 11. Those of you that are Bible readers know that Hebrew 11 11 is that great chapter that is filled with the incredible stories of what faith accomplished. God used ordinary men and ordinary women who just persevered and just put one foot in front of the other regardless of what the occasion was. And you know what? Therefore, they are now our cloud of witnesses. And there are several things in this passage that I will point to quickly. Number one, this passage refers to our assignment. Notice what it says. We're not here by accident or chance. We're not supposed to idle away our time. Our assignment is to run the particular race that, notice this, is set before us. You have a set race to run. It's your race. Amen. We aren't just to run a race. It's your race. And that isn't uh, what what most of us do. Rather, most of us want to run our neighbor's race a little while. We look across the lane and we see somebody else that has a race that looks like it's better than ours. And we want to go run their race. But here's what you need to know. When you're running their race, you're not running yours. You're not making progress anymore. Amen. Your assignment is is like 
the people who are in this church building this morning. We have folk that come from many different places. They come from way down at uh, League City. We've got others from Clear Lake and others from Baytown and others from from even beyond that to the east. We've got people that come as far as Conroe, and we've got people that come from Humble and New Caney, and we've got folk that come from Sugarland and Katy and all points north, south, east, and west of us. And yes, we have some who come from right here. And some of those that have to travel a distance, they're not here this morning because of the weather. And your assignment, listen to me because I'm going to talk to you, is like that. Some of us had further to travel. Some of us come from a broken home. Some of us come from a, a marriage that failed, and some of us came from an abused background, and some of us came from a family that was poor, and, and some of us came from families that were well-to-do, and others came from families that were well-adjusted and had no problems, and others from families where they didn't know their dad. If there ever was one around, he's gone now. And still others came from homes that were religious and God-fearing, while others, the only time God was ever mentioned was as part of a, a string of profanity that was hurled at somebody in that home. You see, we don't all start at the same place, but we're all at the same destination right now. We came from different parts of the city, but we're here, and if you run your race, you're going to get to where God wants you to be also. And Oh yeah, we'll end up at an elevated life, and you can't run somebody else's race. And their race might not look as difficult, but as I said, you got to run yours. And no matter what obstacles you may face or what mountains there are in your path, this is what God said. If you will just run, I will complete it. I'll be Derek Redmond's daddy on steroids. I'll do what even he couldn't do. I'll come down and help you make the finish line. And you'll get a medal. Yeah, he can't see his son gets one, but I will. Secondly, these verses tell us what our focus should be on so God can help us persevere. It says we should look to Jesus. And that means when there are mountains, look to Jesus. When the way is easy, look to Jesus. When there are deserts, look to Jesus. When there is enough money, look to Jesus. When there isn't enough money, look to Jesus. When your marriage is strong, look to Jesus. When you can't stand the person living under your roof, look to Jesus. When you're struggling in your relationships, look to Jesus. Times of blessings and times of challenge can make you do two things if you're not careful. Amen. You, they can take your eyes off God and make you look at circumstances, or they can make you look at people. Both of those are bad for you. Why do I say times of blessing and times of reversal? Because in between, for some reason, if we're just doing okay and we haven't been extraordinarily blessed or we're not really struggling, we seem to do real well in that in-between point. But let us really struggle and we start looking at the storm. We're Simon Peter. Do you realize he was walking on water? I mean, he should have been saying, why, my, look at this. I mean, hallelujah. Instead, he got his eyes off Jesus and started looking at the storm. That's what storms are meant to make you do, get your eyes off of him. And you know what else happens when you're really blessed? you got to fight because you know why? If you're really having to trust God for your life, you keep your eyes on him. 
But sometimes when you're blessed, you want to look around and say, I'm doing pretty well. I got, uh, you know, I, I must be okay. I got some smarts. I've got, and you start taking the credit for what God is doing in your life. Is not this the great Babylon that I have built, Nebuchadnezzar said? And when the words went out of his mouth, God showed him how much of it he was responsible for. Amen. Oh, the third thing that these verses point out is there are hindrances that will interfere with you persevering in your assignment. We're instructed to lay aside every weight and the sin, singular, that so easily ensnares us. Sins and weights are not the same thing. A weight is something that causes us to become weary faster. It slows us down. It saps our endurance. Did you ever in training in high school or college wear those ankle weights around your, your ankles if you were a runner or, or you were in sports of some kind? They make you work harder. They tire you out. They sap your energy and your endurance. I want to ask you, what is slowing you down? Because all of us are prone to have weights in our lives. All of us have things that slow us down and make us tire more quickly. And what about sin? Sin, we misunderstand. As I've said, sin is an archer's term. The Hebrew, it means to be aimed as an arrow at a target and to veer off target. I want to ask you, what sins are in your life? What's making you miss the target? Because you see, all of us have things that we're susceptible to, and what bothers me is not what bothers you, and what you are struggling with is not what I might be struggling with. Hello, somebody. You know what the writer says? Lay it aside. Get rid of the weights and the sins. Lay them aside and run your race. I, I talked to you about, uh, I've got a couple of minutes, only one or two, but they're, they're in the other service right now, so I can be a couple of minutes late. They're taking part of my time. That's why I got a late start today, but I can tell you some things that are weights. Too much TV is a weight. It slows you down. Spending hours each day on Facebook can slow you down. You hear what I'm talking about? Why you need to talk to some of these people so you can go around boast? I got, I got 618 friends on Facebook. I doubt it. Amen. You may have people that call themselves friends, but send each one of them a request to send you $5, and you'll see where your real friends are. You hear what I'm talking about? Amen. A weight can be low self-esteem. It can be any number of things. And on the other hand, Sins are things like dishonesty and greed and anger and envy and lust. These are, these are things that hold you back. Look back over your life. What is your life? By now, there's not a person in this building that is, at a, that is not at a place where you should be able to look back over your life and answer the question, what has held me back? What has been the thing that has beset me? Oh, you know what it is, and it won't take 10 minutes to figure it out either. I'm preaching better and you're responding. Uh, holy hush and all of that kind of. Uh -uh. Fourthly, these verses tell us that we all need encouragement. That's why the writer mentions the great cloud of witnesses. Someone has faced what you're facing. And they've been through what you're going through. And they persevered in spite of the opposition. And their testimony proves that God finishes and perfects. 
what he started in spite of what may be going on. If you're struggling to be righteous when everyone around you is evil, Noah is in your cloud of witnesses. Amen. If you're struggling to have a child in your marriage, Hannah is your witness and so is Sarah. And if you've been betrayed by your own family and you're fighting bitterness, Joseph is your witness. And if you have lost a career and think life is over and that you're useless, I want to tell you something. You're not, and what you need to know is Moses is your witness of the fact that God has greater things in store for you that you're not, you've never thought of yet. And if you're wondering how you're going to make ends meet financially in a troubled economy, especially if you honor God with your tithe or your pledge to this building or your offerings, then the little widow lady is your witness because she gave everything and for three years in the middle of a famine God supernaturally sustained her where her oil and meal never diminished she's your witness if you're sick and trying to get well the ten lepers Jesus healed are a witness to you and if you failed God and wonder if you can ever be close to God again both King David and also Simon Peter are witnesses that God knows how to complete and finish if you will just persevere or somebody in the building say amen tell somebody he's going to finish what he started and tell somebody he's going to put his arm around my shoulder and I will make the finish line and he's going to make it perfect I'm not losing a thing. Amen.